Well, good morning. Thank you for coming out today, especially in this storm. We appreciate you being here today. Really uh, thankful for you. In case you were not here last Sunday, we started a brand new four-week series on marriage. And let me just rehearse a little bit about what we talked about last week and uh, last Sunday. There was a man who came to Jesus one day and he said, Of all the things that the Bible commands us to do, which one should be our greatest priority? And Jesus said, well, your greatest priority should be to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That, that loving God totally and first and foremost, that should be your greatest priority. And the second, he said, is real close to that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and so he was saying basically this, in the divine order of things, loving God is foundational to everything else in a Christian's life. And so we asked the question last week, well, what does that mean in marriage? Can we take that principle and apply it to marriage? What would it mean? So we said, here's what the best way to summarize that text. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. That's the order that God intends it to be, that God has to be the one we love first and foremost, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And then loving our neighbor or the closest to us, person to us in a marriage, of course, is our spouse, as, as we love ourselves. And, and so God is your one and your spouse is your two. And so if your marriage is going to be all that God wants it to be, uh, that's the way, the order in which things have to go. And then I gave you some homework last week. I said, I want you to seek the one with your two. That is, that you seek to spend some time together seeking the Father together. And I ask you the way to do that is through prayer, that Five out of the last seven days that you should pray together as husband and wife, seeking the one with your two. So that was last Sunday. And so, you know, I try to practice what I preach. And so Lisa and I were praying together on different occasions. And one night, she was getting ready to work on her BSF lesson, I believe. And uh, I I said, honey, let me pray with you about that. Uh, And she said, okay. So um, she sat down and put my arm around her. I said, Heavenly Father. I pray for my wife, and, and I started to say something else, and she stopped me. I, I don't recall that she's ever done that before. I mean, she literally said, wait, why did you say that? She had, I looked at her, so I had this grin on her face. She was kind of chuckling. She said, why did you call me your wife? I'm thinking because that's what you are. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that's what you are. And then she said, every time you pray for me, I've noticed you, you always refer to me as your wife. And she started giggling. She said, my name is Lisa. And he knows my name. <laughs> so why are you being so formal? I said, okay, we just had a good laugh about it and said, okay. So I put my arm around her again. I said, Heavenly Father, I pray for Lisa. And when I said Lisa, I just bust out laughing. I just... Get... <laughs> I just couldn't stop. You know, I don't, I don't know how to pray with her or for her now, but. <laughs> the reason I tell you that story is, is because it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go, does it? But you keep pursuing your one with your two because it'll be worth it. The end result will be worth it. It may not go the way you want it to. It may not go the way you planned it. It may not be as perfect as you think it should be. There might be times that you laugh with and for one another, uh, laugh at each other, but uh, you keep pursuing your one with your two. Now, here's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about what love is. I want to tell you why it's important that we talk about that. If you're like most people, no one ever taught you how to love your husband or how to love your wife. You know how you learned that? For most of us, we learned it by watching. Watching movies, 
See how they interact with people, how they love one another. Watching our parents, see how they interact with one another, how they love one another. And watching our friends, our friends who are married or maybe their parents. And, and so, excuse me, as we're watching, we, we try to imitate what we're seeing. Try to imitate what we see in the movies. Try to imitate what we saw in our parents. Or we might try to improve what we've seen. Improve on what we saw because what we saw in our parents' marriage is not exactly what we want in our marriage. And so we're trying to do better than what our parents did. And so, so we're watching and we're getting an idea of what marriage is or isn't, what love is or isn't, and, and we're trying to improve on it. So we've learned by watching. And for some of us, let's be honest, that method is not working very well. Some people have an idealistic picture of marriage and, and you know, they're going to ride off, and, ride off into the sunset together. And, and that's the way it's going to be. But in real life, marriage is hard work, isn't it? Come on, I want to make sure you're awake with me today. You're going to participate, so I'm going to say that one more time. And I'm going to give you a chance to say amen. In, in, in real life, marriage is hard work. You see, in real life, in real life, there's ups and downs. In real life, there's heartache and there's joys. In real life, it's for better or for worse, and sometimes the worse is pretty bad. In real life, marriage doesn't always equal happiness. I mean, every couple starts their marriage in love, but they don't stay in love. There was a speaker at a woman's club, and she was lecturing on marriage, and, and she was trying to make her point, and she asked the audience, she said, how many, of you, how many of you ladies want to mother your husbands? And She didn't expect any response. It was a rhetorical question, but... How many of you ladies would like to mother your husbands? And nobody raised their hand. But then she notices a lady in the back who looked around and slowly raised her hand. And so the, the speaker's kind of taken aback. She said, you really want to mother your husband? She said, mother? I thought you said smother. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's the way it is, Right? Sometimes that's just the way it works. The emotions are not what they used to be. Feelings are not what they used to be. What I want you to say to every married couple today is nearly all marriages go through seasons. As we think about what love is, you need to understand the seasons that marriages go through. Here's how it works. First of all, two young people meet and they fall in love and unlike the rest of the world, their love is real. Unlike the rest of the world, their love is special. Unlike the rest of the world, uh, their love is going to last. They're, they're so starry-eyed and so in love, and, and they're going to have a relationship that's not like their parents, just that common, ordinary stuff that their parents are experiencing. No, their relationship is more like Anthony and Cleopatra or Romeo and Juliet. I mean, it's magic every time they're together, and it's misery every time they're apart. You know what you label that first stage of, of love that, or first season of marriage? We would call that romance. During romance, everything's right with the world. Romance is the season that songs are written about. Do you remember Michael Bolton had a song in the 90s? Finish this song. Don't finish the song. Finish the title. When a man... Yeah. When a man loves a woman, he can't keep his mind on nothing else. He'd trade the world for the good thing he's found. And that's romance right there, right? For most Americans, the romance phase of their marriage 
it ends at different places, but, but I can tell you basically when it starts and when it ends. It starts with, I do. It ends about the time he forgets to put the toilet seat down. It starts with, I do. It ends about the time she says, I'm sorry, honey, I'm too tired tonight. And all of a sudden, you wake up and you realize the honeymoon is over. That's the romance phase. Life gets busy, there's kids, and before you know it, everything's hectic and romance is dead. That brings us to the second season of marriage. The second season of marriage is reality. Reality is that second season. It's, reality is what sets in when the romance wears off. Suddenly, one or both parties realizes the object of their pursuit, watch this, the object of their pursuit, the person of their dreams, the individual they thought they could never live without, is now somebody they're never going to be able to get rid of. Reality has set in. In the reality stage, he sees her without her makeup. In the reality stage, she hears his body noises. In reality stage, romance fades away and reality clarifies what romance conceals. Then you get to the third stage and listen to me because some of you are probably in the third stage. What's the first stage? Romance. What's the second stage? Third stage is resentment. Resentment. During the resentment phase, the one who was once the object of our affection becomes the target of our frustration. Now hear that again. The one who was once the object of our affection has now become the target of our frustration. And if resentment is not dealt with in a biblical way, then eventually the marriage will die and it will be buried in a cemetery called divorce. There is a fourth season. A lot of couples never make it there, though. There is a fourth season, but it takes a big step of faith to move out of season three to get to season four. There is a fourth season that is possible for you and for your marriage, regardless of how deep the resentment might be right now. And that fourth season is called rebuilding. Rebuilding. You know, after Hurricane Florence made its way through North and South Carolina, I'm sure today and definitely by tomorrow, lots of people are, are gathering up the pieces and they're trying to assess the situation and they'll go about the process of picking up the debris and cleaning it out and rebuilding their houses. People have to do that in marriages too. They weather the storm. They, they go through the storm and then they have to decide, what are we going to do now? And now the time is for you to pick up the pieces and rebuild your home, rebuild your marriage, rebuild your life. But most people in that third season never get to the fourth season because they get stuck on one word. Hear this and hear this well. Here's the word they get stuck on in the third season and the reason they can't ever get to the fourth season. They get stuck on the word love. I don't love him anymore. The resentment is so deep. I don't love her anymore. The hurt is so real. I don't love him. I don't love her anymore. 
One of the biggest misunderstandings I think about marriage in our day is that people think marriage is based on love and that love is a feeling. Now, love involves our feelings, no doubt about that. But love isn't just a feeling. Ladies and gentlemen, love is an action. It's a way of acting. It's something that you do. In fact, if you're, going to, if you're taking notes, write down this down and remember it. Love is a decision, not just a feeling. That's the one point I want you to get today. Love is a decision, not just a feeling. Would you say it together with me? Love is a decision, not just a feeling. Oh, if we could just grab that. You see, biblical love is what I'm talking about. Biblical love certainly involves our feelings, but it's more than just feelings. It's an action. It's something that you do. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to open your Bibles. Let me show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 will be our first text. First Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, this, of course, that famous passage, chapter on love. I uh, read it, I, I could not tell you how many times I've read this passage at weddings. And it's a beautiful text to read a, at a wedding. I want you to notice how verse 4 starts. What, what are the first two words in verse 4? Love is. So, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying this is what love is. Let me describe love to you. Let me define love for you. Love is. And then he describes or defines love. Here's what he says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It, love, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, this is God's description of love. What part of that is based on emotions? None of it. Everything that you read there, as he said, this is love. Love is patient, nothing about emotions. Love is kind, not emotion. Love is, does not envy, it does not boast. Everything that he puts there, everything is a decision and an action. There's no emotion listed here. He doesn't talk about that quiver in your liver, that that's what love is. No, no, no. He says love is an action. Love is a decision. Love is a choice. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love's not rude. You see, to really love someone is to hang in there even when happily ever after isn't happening anymore. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an action. And the older the, that I get, the more conscious I am that, that there is a big difference between being in love and choosing to love. See, that's the reason people want to walk away from their marriage because they're no longer in love. They don't feel in love. There's a big difference between being in love and choosing to love. Being in love is based on my feelings. It's based on my emotions. It's based on romance. Choosing to love is much, much deeper. It's based on, listen, my spouse's needs. Choosing to love is based on my spouse's needs. So where did you get that? Get it from Scripture. I want to show you in Ephesians chapter 5. Go with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Ephesians chapter 5, in beginning in verse 25, in this text we're about to read, the Apostle Paul is writing both to wives and to husbands. We're going to be primarily focusing on the husbands, what he says to husbands, but what he says applies to everyone, uh, but especially he's tuned into husbands here. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. This is Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Please note the description. He's not talking about an emotion. He's talking about an action. He's talking about a decision. He's talking about putting the needs of your spouse ahead of your own. Just like Christ put the needs of us ahead of himself. Like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. He loved us. He made the decision. He took the action to put us ahead of himself. He he unselfishly gave himself for us. And he says, this is the way you're to love. Now, when I read, when I read this verse and, and the preceding verses, it amazes me that in this text, the Apostle Paul demands that we love our spouses, that we love our wives. It's amazing that God would, would have to command us for a husband to love his wife. I mean, and he doesn't do it just once, he does it four times. Read the text with me, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. There's the first time. Skip down to uh, verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. There's the second time, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, there's the third time, loves himself. And then skip down to verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. There it is for the fourth time. Four times, God commands the husband to love his wife. And that brings me to this question. How can you command somebody to love? Well, the truth is, you can't if you're talking about a feeling or an emotion. Watch this. But you can command somebody if you're talking about an action. You can command that. Let me, let me just pause here for a second. Everybody look at your pastor. I've got to tell you something very, very important. I like the feelings of love. Don't you? I like it when I feel in love. I, I, but, but here's what I've learned. Feelings are going to fluctuate. And sometimes they're even going to fade. There's two guys that were walking in a park one day, and one said, I got this poodle for my wife. And the other man said, sure wish I could trade mine for something like that. Just trying to show you emotions fade. Emotions fade. And that's why he says in verse 25, Husbands, here's your job assignment. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. Now, I did a little study of that word love. This is so important. The word love there is the word agape, the Greek word agape. There's lots of different words in the Greek language to describe love. I'm not going to get into all of those, but I want you to know that the word that Paul chose here is the highest form of love, that you can have. It's the word agape. It's the God kind of love. And it literally means this. Write this down. To devote yourselves to your wife's good. You devote yourself to your wife's good. That's not an emotion. It's a response. It's an action. Now here's the hard part. I didn't finish the definition. Here's the rest of the definition. And it's the hardest part. 
to devote yourself to your wife's good, here's the hard part, regardless of her response. That's true biblical love. Look at verse 25. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Question, talk to me. When Jesus gave himself up for the church, were were we very good people? No, the Bible says, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we would not acknowledge him, he died for us. Even when we would run away from him, he died for us. Even if we were cursing his name, he died for us. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when Christ died for the church, he put our needs ahead of himself. He didn't just declare his love, he demonstrated it. Husbands, men, the Bible says that's the way you love your wife. Love's not an emotion. Love's a decision. Love is an action that you take. You don't just declare your love, you demonstrate it to her. But here's how we justify not doing that. The tendency is to say, I'm going to wait for her, dot, 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 and you can fill in the blank. We justify our lack of love, our inactivity, by saying, I'm going to wait for her to apologize before I love her the way you're talking about. I'm going to wait for her to start meeting my needs for once before I'm going to love her the way you're talking about. I'm going to wait for her to stop nagging me before I'm going to love her the way you're talking about. Or you can flip it over. The wives do this too. I'm going to wait for him to stop putting his work in front of his family before I love him. I'm I'm going to wait for him to talk to me rather than grunt at me before I really love him. I'm going to wait until he stops yelling all the time before I really love him. In other words, when he changes, when she changes, I will love him, I will love her the way I should. That's love based on emotion. It's exactly what it is. Love based on emotion. It's not the kind of love God calls us to as a husband and wife. And you can say to yourself, well, this is not fair. And, it, and maybe it's not fair. And you try, to with, with, you try to justify withdrawing emotionally from your spouse. Because it's not fair the way you're being treated. It's not fair the way they're responding It's not fair that God should expect you to love somebody who's not loving you back. And I want to say to you, listen to me. Listen to me. That's not the way you treat your kids. Here's what I mean by that. If you have a baby, that is the neediest human being you have ever met. If you have a new little baby, she needs your care every single day, every single hour, seven days a week. You make enormous sacrifices for that little baby, and you get very, very little in turn. In fact, you just keep getting dirty diapers from her. That's about the only thing you get. But it never enters your mind to walk away from that demanding little baby because you have a love that's much deeper than emotions. You're committed to to her or to him. Or let's just say you've got a teenager. Now, now come on now, let's get real. You've got a teenager. Teenagers can sometimes be the most aggravating people you've ever met. 
Amen. I mean, they treat you like you're a moron. They act like you're their servant. They demand that you yield to their calendar and their plans. Sometimes they even rebel against you. Sometimes they even break your heart. There are many days, listen, there are many days you would walk away, but you don't. You know why? Because you have a love for them that's not based on just emotions. It's a decision you make, isn't it? It's an action you take, isn't it? It's a love that's much, much deeper than just emotions. You see, love is a decision to seek their best interest, whether they deserve it or not. Did you hear that? Love is a decision we make to seek their best interest, whether they deserve it or not. And the tragedy is that some couples will give their children the kind of love they won't give their spouses. You treat your children with more respect, more patience, more love, more commitment than you will your spouse. You're ready to walk away on him. You're ready to give up on her. You don't love them anymore. You don't have those feelings for them anymore. You don't walk away from your kids. Even in those hard days. Even in those days when you like to pinch their head off and flush it down the toilet. You don't walk away. Because love is more than an emotion. Real biblical love is a decision. A commitment. An action. Listen, whether they deserve it or not. It's seeking their best interest regardless of their response. Now, that can be frustrating because I understand that it's, well, pastor, if I did that, I, I would just feel like I, I'm just acting because I don't feel that way. I, I, I don't want to fake it. I want it to be real. I want to really love him. I really want to love her. Listen, here's what I've learned. Sometimes you have to act yourself into feeling. You have to do it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until one day all of a sudden you find yourself actually feeling what you're doing. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says it better than I could. C.S. Lewis said, Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your spouse or not. Act as if you did. And soon as you do this, you'll find that when you behave as if you loved your spouse, you'll presently come to love him or her. Keep on acting it, keep on acting it, keep on acting it, keep on acting it, keep on acting it. And one day you're going to wake up and say, you know, I really do love her. I really do love him. I want to tell you a story as I close. It's about two, guys, uh, two, two uh, people, uh, husband and wife, named Teresa. Teresa and Andrew. They live in San Antonio, Texas. You may have seen their story on the news. It, it went viral. Uh, <clears throat> Been married 45 years, but the last 18 years have been kind of hard. 
because Teresa had a stroke and is very limited now in what she can do. Andrew has committed a lot of his time to taking care of Teresa. Recently, their kids pulled their money together and they sent Teresa to the hair salon to get her hair fixed. She used to love to get her hair fixed and they sent her to the hair salon and and she got her hair fixed and she felt so good about herself. She loved to get her hair fixed. She felt so good about herself and the way that she looked. And But you know, when you go get your hair fixed, ladies, it only lasts so long. I don't know how long that lasts, but let's say it's a week. I don't know if it's even that long. But but you can, how long is it? Anybody? Okay, it'll be whatever you said. But Andrew, Andrew, her husband, decided, you know what? I'm going to go down there because it made her feel so good about herself. I'm going to go down there uh, to the hair salon. I'm going to buy the same products that they used so that I can fix her hair for her. When he got to the hair salon, he told them what he wanted to do, and, and the ladies were very kind. He said, well, it's more than just the hair products. It's how you do it. She said, why don't you bring uh, Teresa back down here and let me show you how to fix her hair? So that's what he did. Andrew went to the hair salon with his wife, Teresa, and, and they stood there and said, okay, here's how you hold the brush. Here's, here's how you brush your hair. Here's how you use the hair dryer. And somebody, unknowingly to Andrew, somebody took a, a video of this man learning to fix his wife's hair. And it went viral. Over two million people have watched that video. Of this man, married 45 years, Standing in a lady's beauty shop, putting the needs of his wife ahead of himself. That's love. Love is a decision, love is an action. It's not just an emotion. Sadly, many people never get to make that decision because they've accepted the culture's definition of marriage. So when the thrill wears off, it's time to go seek a new thrill with somebody else. But God says, here's here's my prescription. Husbands, love your wives. And I'll say it a second time. Husbands, love your wives. And God said, I'll say it a third time. Husbands, love your wives. And God said, I'll say it a fourth time. Husbands, love your wives. Put her needs ahead of your own. Be willing to sacrifice for her. Make the decision. And then live it out. By the way, it's good advice for women too. Let's pray about that. I don't know about your home. I don't know about your marriage. I don't know about your life. But I do know this. In a crowd like this, probably some of you are sitting there saying, man, I know I need that. Man, that hit me between the eyes. But I'm so aggravated at my spouse. I don't want to live that. I'm so frustrated I don't want to do that. I know in a crowd like this, there might be somebody that's saying, you know, tomorrow morning, when he goes to work, I'm leaving. I've had all I can take. Would you, as your pastor, allow me just for a moment to say this to you? 
Would you try it one more time? Would you give God one more chance and this time? Would you base it not on your emotions, but would you base it on a firm decision and action that you live out tomorrow? Then would you do it again the next day and the next? And then would you just give God a chance one more time? Father, in the name of Jesus, there are so many ways we could live this out. And for some of us, it's just a matter of saying, you know what, I don't want to take my spouse for granted. For some of us, it's much deeper than that. And so, Lord, would you help us? Help us to live the life that would honor you, would strengthen our, our marriages, and would deepen our love for one another. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.